Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Jamie Waldron. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Wednesday, February 28th in the year 2024. A lot of big things have happened, and it's marrying right up with tonight's interview with Jamie Walden. Jamie is a Marine and has spent time fighting against ISIS. He runs a fantastic organization called Omega Dynamics. He's a Christian, and his ministry is intense. It follows right along the lines of the things we talk about here, awakening the hearts, the warrior hearts of Christ. Tonight you can hear a very direct and very powerful interview. I have a lot of respect for Jamie. Um, we have not talked since Bards Fest 1 in 2021, but it was great to reconnect. He's going to be on the show again here and again in the near future. His message is important. His message is on point. It is heated. It is on. It is right at the same type of message you hear me talk about all the time, shredding the pulpit and getting the hearts of a warrior Christ awakened in a very critical hour in which we are at, and this is important. And before we get going tonight, Patriots, one thing that's very clear is these psychopaths are literally getting ready to force every sort of compliance they can. And food is a major target they're doing right now. The world, the issues that they're using, the pressures that they're applying between eminent domain, trying to capture out over almost 20 million acres in the, in the middle, Midwest to put on a solar farm, squeezing the ability for us to produce food is going to create a food shortage. And famine is on the horizon. You have to be prepared, prepared for many things. And part of that is to have an emergency food system that is at the ready when things start to fall apart. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Check out their four-week emergency food kit. It's on sale for $60 off. You need to get one for every member of your family. Have it in your readiness system and be ready as a foundational part of your kit. We have to build a, a good food architecture program for our families. They are getting nuts. Tyson Foods is investing $500 million per plant to convert from beef to bugs. Not kidding. This is a very real issue. So have it yourself prepared. Head on over to preparewithbards.com. Check out the My Patriot Supply offers there. Do it today. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Before we get going tonight, there's been a very big development and then we, we also have a prayer to do that's important. But a big development that happened today is that we've talked a lot about the Declaration of Military Accountability here. You've heard that. Declaration of Military Accountability members have been on this show. Well, just a little earlier this evening, Tucker Carlson released his interview with Brad Miller, who's been on the show a couple of times now, who is the, pretty much the lead voice for the, the Declaration of Military Accountability. And just a few moments ago, General Flynn put out a tweet asking that Elon Musk share that post of, of Tucker Carlson. 
Now, the Tucker Carlson interview is powerful. It gets into the core of what this is about and reveals, again, as part of the awakening of these people, that the illegal activities of our military leadership and the destruction of this vax. You can see that clip on Tucker Carlson's X account, or you can go to Tucker Carlson's channel, which is TCN ne TC, TC Network, and he has the full interview there, but it is out, and there's a lot of traffic happening on that site and a lot of momentum, so it's exciting. On top of that, tomorrow is the congressional hearing, so there's no accident of when this timing was. This interview was done weeks ago. Tomorrow is the congressional hearing with SecDef Austin and the Mr. Big Face Shield trader that we have up there in our Secretary of Defense who's owned by China. And at the hearing tomorrow will be Ivan Ranklin, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Special Forces. I just spoke with Ivan. I think we're going to be able to get him on the show live tomorrow night after that. So this is a very high momentum, high octane moment. And we need to keep this momentum going. Spread these interviews, please get them out. This is, again, part of the big awakening. And this is literally where, as a body, we start to have tremendous effect. Doesn't matter how many people you follow or whoever, just get these out in email, get them out on your on your social media accounts. Important to get these inf this information out because this is now starting to shake the system. This is one what you're helping contribute to is the greater effect of insomnia for every fool and pedophile freak in, in the leadership of our nation, which hopefully every general right now is having a hard time breathing and sleeping, knowing very well that the people are getting pissed off at how they've distreated this nation and how they have weaponized our taxpayer dollars to create a bioweapon system, which they have willfully deployed on the American public to try to kill, maim, and destroy, doing it against us while we're trying to send our boys overseas to fight at stupid wars the banksters create. This should get everybody inflamed, and it's time to get this message out as much as possible and lay waste to these fools to have them understand that there is no mercy for them at all, and they will, there is no, this is literally black flag time. We take no, there is no quarter here at all. So let them know, spread this around, let people know, get them hear these interviews and start being shaken awake. It is uh, that time, and it is important. Now, tonight, we have, I have tremendous respect for, for Jamie Walden. He is, he is a firebrand, and I, you're just one of these interviews that I didn't have to say much. I just kind of sat back and let, just like launch missile, let go, and seize target. It was great. He has, he's on fire. It's great to have him on tonight, and I'm anxious to, to have you just listen through. Before we start, though, I want you to join me in a prayer. This is one of our followers we prayed for last Sunday. They run an amazing company. It's called The Watered garden and one of the things they do is they raise tibetan mastiff pups they're beautiful animals gorgeous in an email that had there was a variety of reasons i was reading the email tonight but one of the things that was mentioned is that their site was picked up by a bunch of crazy witches that have now been apparently casting spells against their business and their family in particular their children that happen to be on the website so before we get going i want you to join me Please, we're going to set up a hedge of protection, and we're going to we're going to pray out this witchcraft nonsense. We're going to bind it, and we're going to send it right to the lake of fire. So here we go, Father God. We're just going to raise up our prayers tonight for the family that that runs the watered garden and their children and all of their animals and all that they do. We place a hedge of protection around their their business, around their property, around their home. We anchored it in the blood of Jesus, so it goes infinitely up and infinitely down. 
We rebuke any demonic attack that comes at this family. We stand in the gap. And Father, we ask for the war angels to be posted around this family at all times. And now as we stand in the gap, we pray against this witch's coven that has tried to cast out or cast spells against them. We bind them, and for every witch, we gag you and bind you in the tongue and cast you to the feet of Jesus, and you'll be ultimately judged and sent to the lake of fire. For every spell cast, we, we, we rebuke it, and we turn it on upon each person that cast that spell sevenfold in strength against them. And then, Father, as we pray into this, we equally now pray love into the hearts of every one of these witches, love that will open their hearts, love that will force them to weep, love that makes them encounter the glory and power of, the, of Jesus, our King. Let this love shred them in their evil, leave them weeping on the ground, begging for mercy and seeking truly where they need to be, which is members of heaven, not members of hell. And Father, we just pray that the knowledge of what they serve will awaken them deep in their hearts to have them understand that they are soon to walk in that valley of death with the lake of fire where they'll be incinerated for the eternity and let them have an opportunity to choose the right path to take, which is to return to the feet of Jesus. We protect this family. We, pledge, we pray blessings upon this family. We lift them up in the glory of heaven and we fill their whole home with the power of Holy Spirit. And we declare these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. They're a great family, and we want to continue to support them, and prayers are there. One other thing, Patriots, um, and we're going, to, we're going to do a lot more discussion Friday night on Flemingsburg. I'm going to ask you to join me on a very special show. I'm going to get into the whole concept of what we're planning. I've been reading some different things. I think there's some confusion on what Flemingsburg is, and I want to touch on this briefly, and then we're going to dig into it deep on Friday. Flemingsburg is a training center. This is what we're trying to acquire it for. It is a place where not only do we have Bards Fest, but it is to be a place that we will develop where it is the first time of moving from the digital world into the real life ministry. And all we're asking people to do is to sow in. And sowing is what we're going to talk a lot about. And that's not, because there's been some discussions about like, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to move there? This is a training center that we as a community are, are coming together to acquire. And it's for Bard's Nation Ministry. And what we're doing there is to build up a place where we can lift up and train the, the saints for the work in the ministry. A lot of things are going to be planned. And we'll go over a lot of those on Friday. We're going to go over and kind of the, the deeper look at this and where God's leading. But it's an amazing opportunity. Our Give, Send, Go is up. And we're, we're going to be putting up a new donation page as well for a variety of ways to donate. But we're really excited about this. The property is now in a pending sale moment, and we have quite a number of months now to raise the next balance of funds. It's fantastic, and it will be a, a ministry location that will allow people to come in that can, and to where we'll eventually have a weekly service. There we will have regular presence of ministry. All of this is in the plan. So understand that this is a training center, and it's also a place where people can come in, take rest, re recuperate, and head on out. And this is all about a bigger vision that God has placed on my heart to build, to acquire and build kingdom strongholds for Bard's Nation and other remnant communities, Christian communities across the nation. This is, and these are just one of many efforts God's doing in many people's lives. So just a quick highlight on this so there's no confusion. This is a powerful, powerful opportunity. You can find our, our Give, Send, Go is Give, Send, Go forward slash Flemingsburg. We met our first level of funding, which was incredible. Thank you. We doubled that goal. And now our our next level of funding, which takes us up to a total of 490000 is what we need then to put this into full contract and have the property be in our control. So that's it. So it's fantastic. It's exciting. 
So check it out. And then Friday night, we'll go into it in more detail. Okay. Patriots, with that said, and we got a little fire going in us here with some good prayer warfare and also the story of Brad Miller. And that's exciting. So um, right now, what I want to introduce you to is a warrior in Christ, a Marine, a man who's literally stood up and fought ISIS, a man who's led, who's preyed on thousands of Muslims with the blood of Jesus as he was fighting over there. Incredible story. You're going to hear all of it tonight. And a man who literally is, is raising up that underground church to be ready for that time when the big shift comes and we are ready then to take back this nation in the name of our king. So with that, let me introduce you to Jamie Walden. All right, Pages. So I'm really honored today to have someone who was at Bards Fest 1. Uh, we haven't talked in a couple of years. And this is Jamie Walden. He goes under, he works under o Omega Dynamics. He is a Marine, if we can even say that. I don't think he's ever not a Marine. And he's done some amazing things around the country. And just really excited to have him on today. So, Jamie, how are you? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm good, brother. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's true. We haven't talked uh, in person for a couple of years, and and we were talking off air a little bit that I actually, after you graciously invited me to speak at Bards Fest, I left there and uh, drove home, jumped into U-Haul, and moved to Colorado, where we currently reside, right outside Durango, Colorado, where we're building out a faith haven and kind of hosting these summits yearly to train people to for the underground church to get them equipped and. You know, even bringing up that topic is an interesting nuance that a lot of people are like underground church. Why would the church need to go underground in America? And it's uh, obviously the the nature, the oblivion of mystery Babylon and even the latency in church age that they don't understand the handwriting that's on the wall, just like the days of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. You know, I always talk about our neo-Babylonian blindness that it's very overt and obvious. Nothing is hidden in the shadows anymore or occultic, which just means hidden. Nothing's occultic in nature anymore that they have made their intentions very uh, well pronounced about what they intend to do next with the American citizenry in general, but in particular, the uh, white evangelical Christian ilk, for lack of a better word. So that's kind of where a lot of our focus is centered on now. And and yeah, man, so uh, that's what I've been up to for the last two years since we last chatted. That's a lot. So I'll tell you, that's something else. Talk a little bit about, let's get people reintroduced to you because it's been a while and you have an amazing story of how you even got to Omega Dynamics. And I think that took you to Syria and a few other crazy things. Yeah, I'll just give a kind of a quick cliff notes, you know, so uh, hey, everybody, my name is Jamie Walden. Nice to meet you. Um, I, uh, yeah, I currently live in Colorado, but I was a uh, sergeant in the Marine Corps infantry and kind of a specialized platoon with the reconnaissance role. So had a really good run in the Marine Corps, loved it, ate up every second of it, truly believed in our ethos and our codes of conduct and, and our legacy that we represented. And Got out of the Marine Corps, did the college thing, total waste of time, but whatever. Apparently, you need a piece of paper to tell the world that you're somebody, right? So did the <laughs> college thing and then uh, worked with the U.S. Marshals for a short minute. Um, so was in federal law enforcement. Then I switched over and was municipal police officer and local law enforcement. Uh, got bored with that pretty quick. So I uh, got my paramedic and started doing tactical EMS work, so like SWAT medic. And then ended up jumping on a fire department west of Chicago. So I was a firefighter, paramedic, tactical EMS. And then obviously because of my 
background and skill set, got picked up to start doing a tech rescue, got on a deployable technical rescue team and hazmat operations and, uh, you know, rescue boat operations. I don't know, you name it. So that was kind of like my primary career for a little while, but I got a burdened by the Lord after returning to Iraq in 2014 at the peak of when, uh, ISIS, you know, our, our CIA trained and raised up and, and intelligence-based operation of ISIS was uh, uh, purging the Levant of Christianity. And, you know, we were seeing the guys in orange jumpsuits coming out and having their heads sawed off by, uh, you know, Johnny English guy, that big giant Nephilimic freak show ISIS a-hole that was cutting the heads <laughs> off of our brothers and sisters. And, couldn't take watching it anymore and ended up uh, through prayer and, and really testing it before the Lord back in Iraq, freelance in 2014 and uh, buying AKs out of the trunk of the car and saying, where are the Christians at? Where's the front line? So ended up embedding with the Peshmerga out there for a little bit and uh, taking the fight to ISIS and uh, ministering to people wherever we could. And so it was on Returning from that, where I just knew I couldn't keep living my life to get a pension. Uh, everything was different after that. So kind of uh, not kind of outright purged our reality, uh, liquidated our reality. And I always knew like you could never be available to the Lord as long as you have debt. And so I uh, got debt free, purged everything, got our little kids passported. They were like two, three and four at that time. And uh we ended up becoming missionaries in the Dominican Republic where we worked in uh, anti-child sex trafficking and also uh, a therapeutic boarding home for teens for a couple of years down there before I got fired for talking about Jesus too much by the other Christians. So let me add that caveat. Uh, American Christianity is the most disgusting brand of Christianity I've ever seen on the face of the earth. And I've seen it everywhere on the face of the earth. That's a side note. So uh, coming back from the Dominican Republic, the Lord burned me to write the book Omega Dynamics, equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead. And uh, since then, that kind of spurred, I guess, what you would call an international ministry and um, doing a lot of TV and radio and broadcasting, uh, network TV show, doing expeditionary stuff, looking at pre-flood antediluvian archaeology um, around the world and stuff like that with uh, Tim Alberino as a lead on that. And he he blessed me by inviting me to be on the team uh, for what was uh, like going to be a network TV show like History Channel. And uh, yeah, man, so since then, I've just planted a couple churches and now I'm out in Colorado doing a church plant and running this camp. So uh, I when people say, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever is in front of me, whatever the Lord tells me to do, I'll do it blind, deaf, and dumb. So that's kind of where I'm at. So before we move on, there is one little piece of that story I want you to recount, which was you're turning basically a major Muslim army into a Christian army. Cause I think that was a pretty powerful moment when you yeah. were over there. Yeah, man, that's all to the glory of the Lord. Um, it was, you know, most people aren't familiar with that area of the middle East in particular Kurdistan. Um, not to get hot and heavy in, in a history lesson, but it's the largest people group on the earth without their own nation. Uh, they they represent, you know, uh, northern Iraq, part, portions of Turkey, and also Iran. They are a significant, long-enduring people group. In fact, uh, most of the, uh, what do they call them, like the genotyping type people say they're they're actually, they believe that they're descendants of a, the one of the major lost tribes of Israel, which is why they are systematically persecuted no matter what, and they are not allowed to have a nation state. 
So that's just a side note. Um, so they they have uh, they're they're a minority sect of Islam, and so when we went over there and embedded with the Peshmerga because they were the only ones on the face of the earth that were repelling ISIS. The only ones they they had had enough. They were sick of the wickedness and the violence and the bloodshed and and uh, what was going on with all that. So they're the only ones that mounted an offense and defensive posture and uh, militaristic mobilization to counter them. So when we got over them, uh, when when I got over there, I met up with one other uh, Marine who was a sergeant in the Marine Corps Infantry as well, too, who'd become a believer. We did not meet till we landed in Erbil, Iraq, in the last open airport. Uh, and we were the last flight that was being allowed in before they shut down the final remaining airstrip in all of Iraq at that time. And so that's where we met. And we went out and, like I said, kind of got the lay of the land, had some interpreters linked up with some uh, other Christian missionaries, um, American missionaries that had remained in country uh, during that wartime and got AKs in the bottom out of a chunk of a back of a car from a bunch of Muslims. One of the shadiest decisions I've ever made in my life, right? We're not, us Marines aren't, aren't too keen on risk assessment when you go (laughs) meet up with a bunch of Muslims and buy AKs out of a chunk of a car. But uh, yeah, what ended up happening is we thought we were there to use our skill set within our limited understanding. And, and that's, that's awesome. That's what the Lord just, he just wants us to show up with our fish and our loaves of bread and say, I don't know what to do, but here, this is what I have. Lord, do what, whatever you do with it, multiply it, bless it exponentially, uh, uh, increase it or completely rehab it, whatever you need to do for your, for your namesake. And he did, it ended up being that we, we went to the front lines, we got in the trenches, we ended up, uh, uh, slowly, little by little being asked what we were doing there. And every single time we gave the same answer, we said, we're here in the name of Jesus Christ. The love of Christ compels us to fight against wickedness and all evil and to fight on behalf of our brothers and sisters for authentic love. Cause that's what he did for us. And, uh, we said, so you all are beneficiaries of what Christ has done for us. Now, remember, these are all Muslims. So we're going up and down the lines and being pulled off and taking a different, you know, uh, lower level battlefield commanders and being asked the same thing. Are you here? We'd give the same response. Then they'd take us to the next battlefield commander. Why are you here? We'd say the same thing. Uh, this went on and on and on over the course of, uh, of about, uh, about 10 days. And before we knew it, we were being ushered in before the vice president of Kurdistan and his cabinet and the heads of his department of defense and the heads of his health and human services, his heads of everything, you know, just like we have in the U S and, uh, we were scrubbed out bearded, you know, dirty scrubby Marines. And, and we didn't know really what was going on. And we, they took us in and this whole entourage of stoic, you know, uh, uh, Arab Muslim men, Kurdish Muslim men, um, came out, no expressions on their faiths. And our interpreter said, uh, he said, tell them they want to hear from your mouth what you've been telling everybody else, because everybody knows you two are in this country. And of course, that that's always a pucker factor when you're just trying to, you know, operate incognito and do whatever you came there to do. <laughs> right. And um, so, you know, the, the Lord just gave us a quiet confidence. And I said the same thing we'd been saying the whole time. I said, sir, uh, I'm here in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the love of Christ compels us to fight against 
all wickedness and on behalf of our brothers and sisters in authentic love. And sir, if you allow us, your nation will be beneficiaries of our King Jesus working on behalf of his people. And, you know, we had no idea what to expect with regards to the response. And then I'm like, here comes the orange jumpsuits, right? <laughs> like who knows what's going to happen from here on out. And, uh, and this VP of Kurdistan, Iraqi Kurdistan kind of looked up and down his entourage and speaking through an interpreter, he said, uh, without any facial expression change, very stoic. He said, maybe it's time our nation worships this Jesus Christ as well too. And at that everything changed. Everything changed. She said, what do you need? Do you need helicopters? Do you need armored vehicles? Do you need this? Do you need that? Right. It's kind of started throwing at us all the assets of their top tier uh, militaristic logistics and assets. And we were kind of bewildered and looking at each other, myself and, and my my buddy, Jeremiah, the other Marine, and, and uh, said, well, sir, we're here to serve you and we're here to fight against this evil. So what do you need? So over the course of a, about an hour, we kind of worked out this plan, this big overarching umbrella plan for the Peshmerga and the Kurdish fighters. And uh, the next day began implementing it. And within a couple of days, we were basically training whole stadiums full of guys, Jeremiah and myself, and uh, and teaching them some different basic tactics and TCCC for the listeners at Tactical Combat Casualty Care Tactics and uh and what was cool is every single person, we we're talking thousands, uh, we asked them if we could pray over them in the name of Jesus Christ every single time. And they would line up and wait for two hours in line to have us lay hands on them and pray over them in the name of Jesus Christ and send them back out to the front lines to start fighting against ISIS again. And uh, I don't know what the Lord did over there. I have no idea. I can only speculate. All I know is within about Two weeks, Mosul was retaken, and within six weeks, ISIS was done. It was all done within about six weeks of that vice president making that proclamation that maybe it's time this nation worships this Jesus Christ as well, too. So uh, that's kind of the down and dirty cliff notes version of of that amazing thing the Lord did. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know. Have you seen the clips of the ISIS members this last, it was about a year ago, they started having encounters with Jesus? Have you seen those? I've, I've heard. And you know what? When we were over there, that was happening. So when we weren't training, and by the way, side note, like crazy detail of the story is that they started taking us in these, you know, different vehicles and armored vehicles and stuff to the mosque on the front line. I know you've been over there yep. and like, they don't do that. And they uh -uh. were taking us into the mosque on the front line. And you can see across the open terrain. And it's a lot of trench warfare at that time. And there's the black ISIS flags flapping in the wind across this open terrain. And we would work, you know, these multitude of kilometers of trenches on these city outskirts. And they would bring us in a mosque and we would train the Peshmerga fighters in the mosque. And then... We would always ask permission to pray over them in the name of Jesus Christ. That was like very definitive. We are we we are asking to pray over you in the name of Jesus Christ because it is the only name that has power unto life and for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of what's going on here. And he's the only one that will trample on that wickedness out there. And never want not one single Muslim or Peshmerga or Kurdish person ever said no not one said no in the weeks we were over there 
And so we would be in these mosques all tacked out as infidel Anglos with line, two lines of guys praying over them in the name of Jesus all day long. It was so cool. And so when we weren't doing that, we would go into the refugee camps because, you know, there was about 650,000 refugees at that time pushed into the back corner of uh, of Iraq, so northeastern Iraq. And so we would go to these refugee camps and they came from everywhere, Syria, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and they were all kinds of different sects of, of Islam. And we would go into the refugee camps, we would find the head shake, and and I don't know how many times that happened, Scott. He they would be like, you know, just just uh hyper animated. You know how how uh, uh animated they talk anyways, oh, yes. Arabs talk, and they would be hyper animated, blah, 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 blah. and we're like, oh crap, dude, you know, looking at our interpreter like holy cow, we just totally offended this dude, you know, like what's going on? What do we do? What cultural thing did we break? You know, or is it because we're infidels? Cause we, they probably already know we're Christians, but we heard multiple times. I had a dream from ISA, which is what they call Jesus from ISA last night. And they said, two white men were going to enter my tent. Listen to whatever they have to say. Cause what they have to say is the truth. Wow. And dude. so it happened three times while I was there to the sheikhs, which, you know, the influence the sheikh has. It doesn't matter if they're in refugee status. He's still the jefe of who knows how many thousands of people in these refugee camps. And they would say, what do you have to say? I was told that whatever you have to say is the truth in a dream last night. And me and Jeremiah would look at each other and kind of quirky little smiles and be like, actually, we're here in the name of Jesus Christ to tell you about our king. And we would give them the gospel. That's and then awesome. we would show them the gospel by what we were there to do and how we were serving them. So, well, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, so this is awesome. I mean, I love your story. I've told it many times and I, I, it's very inspiring. And you and I have it. We share a very common ground here. And it's something you said right at the very beginning, this brokenness of American Christianity, which just drives me beyond insane. So let's let's talk about that because this is a big issue. We have here's a simple statistic. I when I talk about the current pulpit, sixty percent of our current pastors are dealing with sex addiction. We've got forty one percent or forty two percent of our senior pastors have a biblical worldview. Twelve percent of our of our youth pastors have a twelve have a biblical worldview, and thirteen percent of our teaching pastors have a biblical worldview. That's brokenness all over the place. And yeah, yeah, beyond brokenness. And Scott, I use this stat often and and it it can pit, prick people's uh pride at sometimes, but it's a reality. Like I've been in I've been a pastor, I've also been in the mission field, I've also served overseas, I've been uh well acquainted with the megachurch reality, seeker friendly, NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, the Gospel Coalition, Southern Baptist Convention. I'm talking any brand of American Christianity you can come up with. Uh, by God's grace and in horror, I've been allowed to peek behind a veil. So I say this with dogma, and it doesn't matter if people agree with it or not, but I say this dogmatically is perhaps, maybe, and this is being generous, 3% of Christians are actually in the faith. And 3% of pastors are actually in the faith in the United States of America. I'm not going to disagree with that stat. 
at all. And it's interesting because a lot of what has happened here in Bars Nation has all come from the brokenness, which ultimately is at the root of the faith. Whether it's families following the COVID shot and breaking up families because people held the line, whether it's churches closing down or, or rejecting them because they didn't agree with the shot. The shot was a, a threshing moment of all threshings. It's, in my opinion, it was part of God cleaning up the, the church because it was 400,000 churches that didn't reopen. And absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It was a big sifting by the Lord. That was totally the hand of the Lord. Absolutely. So you're speaking a language that I speak here commonly. You know, it's the skinny jean pulpit, the marshmallow pew, and the dead stone walls. And <laughs> yep, that sums it all up. That's for sure. <laughs> so talk about when you talk about the underground church and kind of your drive right now, because you're doing some great stuff and I, and I love what you're doing. And as much as you can, because I understand we talked a little bit about that beforehand and I, I agree with you, but just kind of give us the, that, that overarching concept of what you're driving at. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we, like I said, we, we can't have that neo-Babylonian blindness, right? Where we're blind, deaf, and dumb under destruction, which is actually exactly what the prophetic scriptures say regarding the last church age, in particular, Laodicean church, but also, you know, 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy 4 and 1 Peter and 2 Peter and 2 Thessalonians 2. And it goes on and on and on. And what it's constantly speaking to is what the, the number one indicator— of the spirit of the age, of the nearness of the second coming of Jesus Christ, is the spirit of the claimants of Christianity. That will be the indicator. They'll be narcissistic, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They'll be proud, abusive, boastful, arrogant, treacherous, rash. They'll always be learning, but never able to come to an understanding of the truth. They will mock and scoff the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says they will not tolerate sound doctrine. They will have tolerance for everything, positive, encouraging K-love, right? Like they will tolerate everything except for sound doctrine. And instead it says they will devote themselves to the doctrines of demons is what they'll give devotion to. And the number one indicator of the spirit of the age, of the last church age and of the Christian is faulty self-actualization. Revelation 3, the Laodicean church. They will say they are wealthy and in need of nothing. They're crushing it for Jesus. Where is this God of justice? Why would he be offended at me? Look at what I do. Look at our capital campaigns. Look at our emergent churches. Look at our church growth model. Look at our social justice warriorism. Look at how well we love. Love does. Love wins. Love, love, love. Right? And so it says, that they will say they're wealthy and in need of nothing, yet God says, you never asked me, bro. You're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because as it renders in the Hebrew, you are hot vomit in my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. Apathy and complacency is one of the top tier uh postures that the Lord speaks woe over so much. So woe to the complacent at that time, I will search Jerusalem to find all those who are complacent to punish them. It says it over and over. Zephaniah speaks to it and Isaiah speaks to it and Jeremiah speaks to it. But then uh, it, it goes so far as to the reality that the reason why complacency and apathy and lukewarmness is such an anathema to God is because it is, it is the highest form of cowardice. 
And cowardice, in short, is self-preservation. You know that. You've seen it in combat and on Mm -hmm. the battlefield. A person who is self-preserving is a coward. They are a lover of self, which is stands in direct dichotomy, total antagonism to the gospel, which is all about mutually assured selfless sacrifice to the death. Selfless, which Christ Jesus modeled. He led from the front as a true and better commander, as a warrior king in every example, leading from the front, exactly what his kingdom stands for and represents. So the first people he deals with in the lake of fire is actually the cowards, the self-preserving. And so the entire spirit of the end of the age is centered on this reality of love, narcissistic self-love and love of pleasure rather than God. So they say they love God. They have the form of godliness, but they totally deny the power of it because they love themselves more. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so enter in what happened with COVID and with the shuttering of the churches and with the wokeism and with the Antifa defund police BLMism and all these Ivy League, you know, uh, skinny jean, effeminate, lispy uh, dudes with their fake black rim glasses coming out of cemetery. I mean, seminary, you know, with their pontification about all their doctrines and theologies that are so freaking woke. They're disgusting to the Lord. They are hot vomit, but they say that they're crushing it for Jesus. So it's like he it's like there's this thing going on right now, Scott, where the Lord is. He is about ready. Not about ready. I mean, we can read the handwriting on the wall to utterly obliterate the United States of America. We have. Uh, by all accounts of OSINT, open source intelligence, 350,000 Chinese CCP military personnel inside. We're not talking about intelligence apparatus, infiltration, saboteurs, stuff like that. Like, you know, in, in all of our different uh, uh, layers of infrastructure, cybersecurity, electronic warfare, we're talking straight up boots on the ground, uh, infantrymen. 350,000 Chinese infantrymen, not to mention the other uh, fifth column forces, whether it's from Hamas, Hezbollah, other bad actors, uh, aspects of the different cartel mechanisms, which, again, are owned by China. Most people don't know that China has straight up infiltrated every Central and South American cartel, and they now run the cartels from the outside in. And uh, we have the the payoffs and the buyouts of all of our elected officials, our joint chiefs. Uh, I don't know if I talked about you about this with you last time. I talked with a what would be a household name, Pentagon insider, household name. Everybody would know it if I say it. I won't say. It. He said, and he's currently has access in the Pentagon. He said that every single one of the joint chiefs is bought off by the CCP. He said every single one. And I said the Marine Corps, too. Like, of course, that's my go to. Right. Like you're talking about the Marine Corps, too. He said, yes, Marine, not Marine Corps general general staff, but Marine Corps joint chiefs at the Pentagon. And it's open like nobody even cares to hide it. And and he said, and, and by their accounts within the Pentagon, it's 60 to 70 percent of all Federal federal congressmen and senators, elected officials, that's a loose word, elected, are bought and paid for by China. And so then that gets into the clergy response teams within America that there are 250,000 pastors that have signed NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, that have been trained by FEMA and DHS 
under non-disclosures to shepherd their flocks to be obedient to all top-down government uh, edicts in a time of national emergency, and they are being paid certain amount of sums of money per year by D DHS and FEMA, and they have to go through continuing education to be a part of these clergy response teams. So DHS and FEMA are infiltrated by China, and now the churches are infiltrated by China too. Uh, and and then you and I talked off air real quick about you know the the current hot mic incidences that have occurred within the Chinese DOD, uh, their department, their equivalent of Department of Defense in their intelligence apparatus, which is the MSS over there, openly talking about the fact that they have been assured stand-down orders by the U.S. government, and in particular, Governor Newsom of California, that the National Guard and the police and any ability to mount a significant defense will be given stand-down orders as the Chinese hits the uh, Columbia River Valley and River Gorge up in uh, Oregon, Washington area, up in that area, and then also along the southwest coast from L.A. to San Diego for full-on amphibious assault that they have been assured stand-down orders to secure a beachhead all the way to the Rocky Mountains. So God is judging America, period. There's a reason why the missileers are being fired in North Dakota and Montana at our terrestrial-based nuclear facilities. There's a reason why now a second high-altitude atmospheric spy balloon has been allowed to traverse the United States, and NORAD has been given stand-down orders from the executive branch. There is a reason why the borders are wide open and DHS and Border Patrol agents are given stand-down orders by the executive branch. There's a reason why our economy is totally insolvent. There's also a reason why we left all of our weapons in Afghanistan and all of our remaining strategic stockpiles have been pumped over to Ukraine. There's a reason why our strategic oil reserves have been sold off. And there is a reason why our 911 systems nationally was allowed to be hacked last week as a beta test for the big show. It's because it's what we're owed. And why we're owed it, Scott, is because of the Christians and the pulpits in America. That's why. You and I agree on this 100%. And I, and I would imagine when you're giving this message, you get pastors bristling. And I, I mean, and it's good, but I'm saying that they do not like to hear this at all. No, they don't like to hear that. They're, they're actually at enmity with God. And that's a very particular word biblically. So, you know, do not love the world or the things of the world. Anybody who loves, anyone who loves the things of the world, the love of the father is not in them, you know, and then it says anybody who loves the world, like they're at enmity with God. And so the majority, not the, I'm talking 97%, probably more like 98%, of pastors in America love this world more than they will ever love God. They love it. They want it. They want its affirmation. They want its validation. They want to eat of it. They want to drink of it. They want to partake of it. They want to co-mingle and be in union with it and everything. And they will not let anything compromise their love of this world. Therefore, God says that they are at enmity with him. And what's unique about the word enmity is it means bitter rancor, forcible hatred, or warfare. That's what it means to be at enmity with God. But the unique qualifier about the 
peculiarity of that word enmity is that enmity presupposes a mutual exchange of warfare, bitter rancor, and forcible hatred. So not only are you at enmity with God, but what these pastors understand is he is at enmity with them. It is a mutual exchange, very unique language in the Bible. And so that's why I say everything in the United States of America is part and partial to the Christians, hands down. Mystery Babylon, Laodicean Church, you name, whatever, whatever spin you want to put on it to be able to conceptualize what comes next, it's very clear biblically. And what comes next is in a single day, in a single hour, in an instant— I saw the smoke arising from all of our cities and all the merchants of the world and all the mariners of the world and all the great nations of the world weep over the destruction of mystery Babylon for in a single hour, all these plagues befell her because God is going to repay her double for the amount of pleasure that she gave herself at the expense of all of humanity on the face of the earth. And in particular, the Christians are going to be the cannon fodder that the reprobate people around us are looking to as a scapegoat when this thing pops off. 100%. I mean, they're, we're literally seeing the enemy at the wall. They've infiltrated. And this is, this is a critical moment in our scriptures to, to look at the world in that way. So talk about the, the, the essence then of the underground church. This is very much almost like a subversive preparation in a UW sense, unconventional warfare. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it is. It's a form of hybrid warfare, asymmetrical warfare, for lack of a better word. And and when we talk about the underground church, that doesn't mean literally underground, which would be amazing. You know, if we have the funds or the resources, the capabilities, we know that the entire globe right now is digging underground like never before. I can't remember how many thousands of kilometers of tunnels China has put in in the last three years. And we know all over Europe, they're digging underground like crazy. Uh, we have our deep underground military bases spread out across the U.S., but they're not for the general populace. Everybody's going underground because they know what comes, what's coming next. But for the church, it's uh, underground church in a sense of, you know, a, a more clandestine way of carrying for the gospel and carrying out our duty with honor, courage, and commitment as the redeemed of the Lord, the warrior redeemed of the Lord in a hostile environment. Uh, our brothers and sisters in Iran have been doing it for a very long time. China, they've been doing it for a very long time. Throughout the span of uh, the history of the authentic church, I use that qualifier, authentic church. There's a lot of claimants. There's very few uh, who have counted the costs and actually are willing to die to self to honor the Lord. But um, it's going underground by reducing a digital footprint, uh, creating parallel economies, having networks uh, that are operating basically with some of the base baseline level of clandestine operations of being able to send information back and forth so that we can actively continue to advance the kingdom of God, no matter how hostile it gets. So just like Bonhoeffer during World War II or, you know, the Jews in 19. 37, 38 Germany who read the handwriting on the wall, there were a few, which we don't read about them very often, who saw it and they prepared accordingly. It took logistics, it took planning, it took central planning, it took construction projects. There was hidden rooms going in and houses and buildings and farms all across Germany and Poland and other places in Europe. 
there was conductors being trained up on how to lead uh, persecuted Jews throughout Europe without getting them compromised. Uh, it was a system, a network of knowing who can be trusted, where can they be provided for, where the, can they get refreshed and get food and and water and and and, uh, and rearmed and be moved across out of the threat areas into uh, more permissive environments for them to go. And it was done because there was those who were prudent and in step with the spirit of God to know and understand and read the handwriting on the wall and plan accordingly. So that's kind of where we're at right now with preparation for the underground church. Uh, and this isn't going on just in America. I've had probably 60 people from Canada call and want to begin preparing for an underground church, South Africa. Uh, a lot of people in South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Sweden, Norway, Germany, you name it. I've had people call from all around the world who are actively preparing for the underground church, just based on some of the things you and I have talked about here today, Scott. So that's kind of where we're at with regards to that. No, it's fantastic. So this is a this is a very powerful uh, reflection on you think on ourselves as well, which is it's difficult in a country where we lack much accountability, and that to me is one of the big cores here. We are literally sitting where Habakkuk was, and and it's in that moment, and and this is literally uh, this was given to me in a vision by God that we are literally living in a Habakkuk moment where what we are about ready to see is this entire horde go across the wall, so to speak. And just like you're saying, and in an instant, we are now submissive to an, a foreign power. I think that leads us to another issue, though, which is something I've been working a lot with some of the teams that are working down on the border. And there's some good activities going down there, which is we're also, we have a golden opportunity now to start bringing the message of the gospel to a lot of those illegals coming across the border. So not all of them are bad. We obviously, we have bad actors woven within, but that preaching of the gospel to those that are coming in is a critical aspect in this hour to try to bring that, expand that body of Christ. What's your thought? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm big on practical preparedness, you know, and, and, and the reason why I'm really big on practical preparedness, I've been traveling the country for the last four years, teaching uh, family emergency preparedness on a lot of different levels. And it's, the reason why is so that you can be an asset with the gospel in a time of great disaster. And when everybody else is unhinged, you are secure in your identity in Christ alone. That's the entire purpose of the book, Omega Dynamics. Our Omega Dynamics are powerful and effectual actions at the end of all things. That we would have such a radiancy and a resiliency spiritually, emotionally, and physically in Christ Jesus, that we would be the fulfillment of Daniel 11.32 that says, those who know their God shall go forth and do daring feats of valor, or as it says in the King James, exploits, but it translates to daring feats of valors. Those who know their God, not those who know their eschatology and those who know their King James only 1611, those who know their flat earth BS, those who know their whatever, you know, all their little doctrinal infighting stuff. But it says those who know their God, those are the ones that will be strong and they will go forth and they will do daring feats of valor back unto the glory of God. And that's why I'm big on the practical preparedness so that when everybody else is unhinged, because we have walked by faith, 
through the scriptures, by the spirit of God, to do what he's told us to do, to plan accordingly, knowing when, when, when warned about things not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark and by it saved his family, Like right? A wise man foresees danger coming and plans accordingly, but a fool goes on and suffers for it. Jesus told his disciples about the end of all things. I've told you about these things ahead of time so that you will not be caught unaware, right? And like, there's so much precedence for this, the five wise versions and five foolish versions. And the reason why isn't for self-preservation. I don't want to preserve my life even one more second on this earth than what the Lord requires of me. I know what's coming for me in Christ Jesus. I can't wait to be at home with my King and then be known in full and to fully know him and love him. Like I do not want to preserve my own life. But we do it in prudence and by faith and obedience to the scriptures so that we can hold out the hope that we ourselves have in Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That's what it's all about. It's like the last great harvest and the last great act of mercy over the face of humanity on the face of the earth is about ready to break open on the scene. And the question is always, are you ready for that? Are you going to be unhinged because you don't know your identity in Christ? Do you love your life so much that you're scared to death to lose it? Because Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame the Antichrist by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it. Why? Because they knew it was hidden in Christ Jesus. They had no, it's like, dude, it's not even mine. It's bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus, the Christ, the warrior king, Messiah ben David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who's roaring from on high. Like he owns it. He bought for it. He ransomed it. It's his to do with whatever he wants. Oh, and by the way, death, where you at, bro? You lost your sting, homie. You've been swallowed up. My king won. You lost. So that should be the testimony of the saints. And that's why for me, it's such a big deal to have a knowing of our God and who we are in Christ Jesus so that we can hold that out. We can hold that out even to our captors, even to our overlords, even to the, you know, the, the uh, invasion teams coming across the border. We can hold it out to our reprobate neighbors that are running around like chickens when they're with their heads cut off when this thing pops off. And we can tell them the reason why we're not unhinged is because we know our God. Here, come sit with me. Just like in, in Iraqi Kurdistan, come sit with me. Let me tell you about my God. I'll tell you about my God and about his son, Jesus Christ. So that is the centrality of it all, Scott, at the end of the day. I couldn't agree more. This is awesome. I want you to talk about love. You're a good one to talk about it. And you've used the term already in the ultimate love of our, of our king. Talk about how that translates, because I, I bring, deal with this topic regularly, and they've heard me infinitum because it has. It, we're we're not talking about hugs and kisses. True love, <laughs> no. true love is a is a is a sword in many ways. So talk about that, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely, brother. That's that's a good topic, and I talk about it ad nauseum too because it's been that has been two things have been strategically reduced in our Christian lexicon by the powers of darkness: love and fear of the Lord. Love and fear of the Lord are the two things that have been strategically plucked. So what most people don't under, they don't understand what authentic love looks like. So very few do. And, and, and it's something that I go into really big detail about it in the book, Omega Dynamics, 
actually in, in the first chapters, because it's like, if, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Right. That's what the word says. And the found, if the foundations of what love is, have been destroyed. We have nothing else to build on from there on out. It is sand. And when the waves and the torrents come, we're going to be destroyed by it because authentic love is not what we have been taught. Actually, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. God hates so many things and God is love. And guess what else it says definitively God is? The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name, period. Exodus 15, three. The Lord, like a mighty man of war, will stir up his zeal and some shall show himself mighty against his foes. It says the Lord will come at you like a dread warrior. Yet, First John, God is love. How is it? That he is a warrior who shows himself mighty against his foes and he goes out like a dread warrior and he's loved at the same time. It's because people don't understand what love is, Scott. Warriors in the natural know what love is. No greater love is there than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you obey my commands. See, love is made manifest in selfless sacrifice. Love is made manifest in hatred. I hate what is coming against the object of my love. I hate it and I will tear it down and I will take the sword to it. And love fights for what it loves. Uh, that's why Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? Bros, you're totally misunderstanding my posture. I came to bring a sword. Why? Because I love. I love so deeply and so authentically, I will cut off from the land and from you and from your heart and from your mind and from your physicality, anything that's coming against the object of my love. This is authentic love. First John 3, 8, the son of man was made manifest for this reason. Why? That he might destroy the works of the evil one. He came to make war because he is love. And most people have no clue what authentic love looks like. They think love is some emotionally predatory heartstring appeal. That's not love. You know what the most loving thing you could, you and I could ever do for one another as brothers, Scott, is to admonish one another because I know that your heart's desire is to honor the Lord. You know that my heart's desire is to honor the Lord. So when you see me slipping in the air or whatever, an authentic love, you come and offer an admonishment because you love me and you know my heart's desire is to love and honor the Lord. So you say, hey, Jamie, hey, I need to address this, bro, because I know your heart. Bro, you're blowing it, homie. Like, dude, let's don't forget the ring on your finger. Don't forget the weight of the cloak on your back. Don't forget the family name you bear. You're blowing it. Repent. And the Lord will restore you to a right relationship. Let's keep going that way, bro. I love you. See, authentic love will fight for the object of its love. And that's what most people don't understand, which is why at the end of it all, the rider on the white horse, whose name is Faithful and True, rides out in justice and judgment to make war. The next time we see Jesus, he will not look like Messiah ben Joseph, the suffering servant who was silent before shears and did not even utter a cry. The next time you see him will be as Messiah ben David, the conquering king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, roaring from on high, riding out with his thigh emblazoned, his robe drenched in blood, and a sword blazing out of his mouth to destroy all of his enemies. 
for the sake of love, love for the glory of his father and love for you and I. That's the king that I serve. So that's what authentic love looks like. Yes, it does. That's awesome. Extremely well said. War of the spirit versus war of the flesh. That's a huge topic for me because we are we are not, we Bar's nation, different, but as a collective whole, we are not taking our fight first to the spirit. And instead, everybody wants to ramp up and fight in the flesh. And if and the way I position this is if we are not fighting in the spirit, the flesh is just ancillary. You're not going to overcome. What do you think? Oh, man, couldn't agree more. And this is where the rah-rah, Second Amendment, Patriot, QAnon, Prepper movement is going to, they are cannon fodder on a battlefield they don't understand. Now, what I didn't say is I'm not against the Second Amendment. I totally believe in standing for that and that we need activism for that. I believe in practical preparedness. I teach practical preparedness, but it's always about the heart and the posture, if it's, it has to be in submission to the spirit of the living God and step with the spirit of the living God with a total dependence on the living God. I mean, I, I'm thinking of Psalm 33 right now, even as I'm saying that, as it says, you know, no king is saved by the size of his, by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Psalm 44 says something similar too. It's like, uh, it's like it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor by their strong right arm, but it was by your hand, your arm, and the light of your face because you love them. I mean, there's so many scriptures like, we do not trust in, in chariots, you know, or, or in the sword or in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord your God. It says he does not delight in the horse or in the legs of a man, like his ability and strength in combat. He says, that's not what he delights in, but he delights in those who are humble and contrite and tremble at his word. That's who he esteems. And so it is about the spirit. We know that our fight's not against flesh and blood. We've been told that very plainly, but it's about our fights against spiritual wickedness and, and authorities and principalities in high places. And we don't wage war according to the flesh as the scripture says, but by the spirit, and we have been given divine power. Think about that to the tearing down of every stronghold and every false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So again, why is our country about ready to be destroyed by the Chinese? By the way, the Chinese aren't doing anything. God is dragging them out to destroy us. Calamity cannot come upon a nation unless the Lord has decreed it, period. So nothing's out of whack here. This is God's just judgment on our nation. But the reason why is because the Christians, because we haven't been fighting the battle. We haven't been engaged in the warfare because we love pleasure rather than God. And we have the form of godliness, but we deny the power of it because we've been assured that we have divine power to tear down all these strongholds and every false pretense. We've been assured that we have been given all power to trample on the lion and the serpent and the scorpion and over all the powers of darkness. We've been told that we have all the, this isn't dominion theology. Don't, don't mix up my words, but that in Christ, Christ in us we actually have all spiritual giftings for life and godliness, and we have all power. 
We just don't exercise it because we don't want to look foolish to the next guy. It is a love of self. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look foolish. And I don't want to compromise my level of comfort by stepping out and speaking out. Therefore, for a love of pleasure to maintain my status quo, I will go along to get along. Enter the Laodicean church. And that's why we don't know how to rage war according to the spirit. And then we do this little pathetic, it's like an air softer buying all this high-end, you know, cry precision tack gear, all the top tier tack gear to pair, play airsoft. That's what the church looks like. They look like a bunch of air softers out there running around like a, like a, like a bunch of weirdos thinking they're hard ass tier one operators. When in reality, they're a laughing stock to the true tier one operators out there. That's what's going on, Scott. Yeah. Dude, this is good. I love your analogies. It's awesome. Like I'm going to sit back and just smile because it's like, here we go. Let me, let me introduce you to Jamie. And now you get to hear an echo of what Scott's <laughs> yeah. been saying. This is awesome. Hey, let's, let's bring this together now because you talked before the show about a comet and this, I think it was 2029 plan that how it all ties together yeah. and really like to get your picture on it. Okay. Yeah. I'll try to give the cliff notes. Cause I do like a deep dive, you know, that's about a two hour program to but because people always want the proof text, right? They want, and and I, and I have all that if we had time to do that, but I'll give you the, the down and dirty is, is basically in, in the late eighties. Uh, and it, and it began with the public announcement by Ron, Ronald Reagan at the UN general assembly in 1987, a very famous quote that's often used in the truther movement about, you know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but he says before the United Nations, I often wonder how often all of our differences would fade away if we faced an, an existential alien threat from outer space and how quickly we're unified and blah, blah, blah. That was a public pronunciation of the reality that all the international space agencies locked on to this asteroid, which lo and behold, they named Apophis, which Apophis is Egyptological deity, which all of Egypt comes back into the sphere at the end times. Egypt, the spirit of Egypt is permeating everything at the end times. And Apophis is a, a god of destroyer and of death and of destruction that cannot be thwarted once it has begun. That's what Apophis is. So they found that they locked onto this asteroid. All that there's lots of space agencies around the world, and they have known by mathematical equations and algorithmic processes exactly when the effects of the debris trail and aspects of this asteroid are going to impact earth and what it's going to do to the earth and what's fascinating is if you look at the macro every major central planner on the earth every government has been actively pursuing the same agenda since that announcement was made that's why they don't care about money that's why they don't care about hyperinflationary processes this gets into the world economic form with the great reset this is actually the reason for the covid vaccination for a widespread depopulation and also the transhumanism movement which is part and parcel of the mrna vaccination that's reworking your dna this gets into the initiation of star wars by reagan and then the re-ramping up through uh trump of uh of space force and space-based weapons platforms this gets into pop culture predictive programming from anything from deep impact to armageddon to the most recent one uh greenland with uh, gerard butler and don't look up on netflix which is a perfectly perfect depiction of what's going on 
So they ran simulations as recent as 2018 about what the effects of this asteroid impact would be and what their findings were. This was with all the central planners and FEMA, DHS, space agencies, European space agencies, JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, you name it. They were It was an all skate in New York City in 2018. And, and uh, their findings were, was, you know, all the natural earth sciences stuff that you would expect to have affected with the asteroid. But their number one finding was that the threat of human chaos, they call it the human chaos factor, was of a greater threat than the asteroid itself. Guess what their findings were, Scott? 2018. Think about this was six months before we began hearing about COVID. Their response was they needed to centralize all media on the face of the earth. They needed a apparatus to keep any disinformation or misinformation about the asteroid leaking that would create chaos. They need to centralize all shipping and food production. They need to centralize all logistics on the face of the earth. They needed to um, create mechanisms by which people could be tracked easily so that they couldn't uh, influence chaos. They needed, and then the other factor was they needed a widespread mechanism for reducing the population as quickly as possible before the asteroid is visible in the sky, because once they can see it with the naked eye, the, the global general populace, they'll lose all control of their central planning. So everything needs to be in place before they can see it. Well, within six months of that finding, Space Force got spun up. Another three to six months later, Event 201 occurred which go read everything about event 201 is about how do we centralize all the media to control narratives within three months of that COVID gets released. You have a massive global uh, die off and sterilization program. Sterilization is also another aspect of depopulation in particular uh, the spike proteins of COVID specifically embed in the lipids in the ovaries of women nationally. Uh, UK recently released a report where they had a 63,040% increase in child deaths from age zero to 14 since COVID 63,040% increase. Then you enter in the, uh, the uh, critical infrastructure consolidation globally and supply chains and all that kind of stuff. And then also enter in the preparation for World War III. It is agreed upon. They must have a limited nuclear exchange by guess when? April 2025 is when the space agencies say Apophis will be visible in the sky. And the effects of it will occur in... Uh, 2029, I think it's October 13th of 2029, don't quote me on that, is when they expect the effects. And what they said, this is they, not Jamie, they said one-third of the earth will be affected, one-third of the freshwater will be affected, one-third of the vegetation, the ability to produce food will be affected, there will be widespread crustal plate displacement and volcanism and earthquakes everywhere leading up to the asteroid which we're seeing right now. And uh, and they said there would be a release of some type of bacterial infection that will uh, wreck about a quarter of the world's populations. So anybody who has any biblical insight would know that what I just said is everything that's listed in the 
trumpet blast of the book of Revelation is exactly what the space agency have said. And Revelation says that, behold, I saw a great mountain of fire cast into the sea. Then I saw uh, stars falling from the sky. It looked like figs ripened falling from the fig tree. A third of the ships were destroyed. A third of the fish in the sea. A third of the trees were burned. A third of the grass were burned. A quarter of the world's population is killed by pestilence. And there's this whole restructuring of the entire earth after this asteroid effect comes by. That's biblical. That's what they're saying. That's what the Bible says. And that's why all these movements are the way they are. So this asteroid Apophis is the centrality of the big why. The big why of all of it that we're seeing geopolitically and geostrategically on the face of the earth is singularly because of this asteroid that all the central planners are very well aware of. It's good. That's a good cliff note summary right there impressive yeah yeah that's about as quick as i can fire hose that that uh that uh cliff notes version out there well let's we'll talk afterwards but it would be great to get you back on to do the whole deep dive if you're open it would be great so um mm -hmm. it'd be good because that's that's an impressive yeah, absolutely impressive amount of research jamie and it really does tie a lot of things together as you're as you're talking my mind's clicking away because we've been tracking the same events obviously and it's just, it's just like one of those pieces you put in there and suddenly you're like, okay, that's starting to make sense. Why are we doing vertical agriculture? Why are we taking off and doing lab-grown beef, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, why, why are they doing transhumanism? Why are they altering our genetics? Why are they talking about... So even this green movement and all this like climate change stuff, all of that is a smokescreen so that you won't connect it to the effects of the space body and so that you'll never repent because it's actually the judgment of God. They want you to think it's man-made so they can justify greater depopulation. One of the reasons, even the electric vehicles, this hardcore push for green electric vehicles is to cut off your mobility before the asteroid gets here because their findings were the human chaos factor was a bigger threat to the central planners than the asteroid itself. So every nuanced thing of what's the great reset, biometric identification tied to a vaccination passport, blah, 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 the thinning of, of the magnetosphere, um, these different uh, solar, you know, CMEs, coronal mass ejections, there's perturbances in, in our um, uh, uh, magnetosphere and everything that's going on with that, these earthquakes and volcanoes busting, popping off everywhere. This is all related to the asteroid, and actually every single detail verbatim is listed in the scriptures regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ. All these earth changes, all these movements by governments hiding themselves in the rocks, the partnership with the private sector, Elon Musk, SpaceX, all these other uh, entities around the world to get an off-earth or, or off-earth colony. And all these other things, the fact that they are partnering with, quote unquote, mining companies to drill, to land on asteroids, to drill into them for precious metals. That's not what they're doing. It's the movie Armageddon. They've already planned it to drill into Apophis to put nuclear weapons in it to try to break it apart. By the way, you see that in every single pop culture movie including the most recent one, Don't Look Up on Netflix. That's what they're doing. They are openly, they did the DART mission in 2021 where they slammed a satellite into an asteroid or a comet to see if they could deflect it. By the way, in the movie Don't Look Up, they attempt that too and it fails. So they are actively preparing 
to do whatever they can for a, they call it a planetary defense initiative to protect the planet from this asteroid. And in fact, that's in the book of Obadiah. That's in the book of Revelation. They will hide themselves in the rocks from the great terrible day of the Lord. They're going to go to their deep underground military bases. And in Obadiah, it says, though you set your nest among the stars, you try to get off earth, Elon Musk, he says, I will bring you down for judgment. You can try. You can try to go on the earth. You can try to get off the earth. You're not getting away from it. This is this is what I'm doing to shake not only the earth, but also the heavens and the earth one last time, last great act of mercy and grace to literally rearrange celestial bodies, shake your entire world so that you might look on him who is pierced for your transgressions and actually acknowledge that he is exactly who he says he is. All this isn't, shouldn't be this crazy, fearful, you know, apocalyptic Hollywood movie type of sensation. It should cause you to cry out to the one true God for the forgiveness of your sins. Because when you do, he's like, done. That's what we do. We forgive sins and we redeem and we restore. And so all this is like, he is so loving so kind, so hyper merciful and gracious that he's literally going to shake the very, it said is, it says it will staggered like a drunkard. It's talking about its axial wobble. We're going to get smacked so hard that the earth is going to uh, stagger on its axial wobble. It says like a drunkard, the day will be shortened. The hours will be shortened. The sun and the moon will be darkened. by all these things are talking about one singular celestial event impacting the earth so that you cannot say you cannot bring up any other excuse other than it was the hand of God. And the hope is, is that you would repent and cry out to him and then have a hope that will never disappoint in Jesus Christ. That's the point. That's good. That's good. Now we, people know what they need to be doing more of. <laughs> Read yeah, more scripture, exactly. pray more, and make sure you got some supplies to hunker up, bunker up. That's it. So that's good. Yep. Jamie, where can they find you? I'm, I'm looking at your site, but I want you to tell them because it's good. It's a good looking yeah, site. Yeah, people can. Uh, they can get a hold of me at uh, calicobuffalobasecamp.com. I mean, sorry, calicobuffalobasecamp.com or omegadynamics.org. So Calico Buffalo Base Camp is the uh, camp that we own and operate here in Colorado. And we're actually hosting a warrior summit. This will be our fifth annual warrior summit here in June, June 14th through the 17th. And typically we've always done some kind of intensive thing and a lot of speakers come in and practical training or, or whatever, you know, it's the, every year we kind of have a different scenario, but this year, because I know what's coming in 2025, um, oh, side note, Scott, notice how the Deagle report and every other thing coming out of Davos and the WEFers and everything else is centered on 2025. Yes. Everything. Yes. is about the year 2025. Why? It's because that's when the asteroid is going to be visible to the human eye. And that is just open source data. People can read all they want about Apophis. And uh, so this year, our focus at the Warrior Summit is actually going to be based on Ezra 9, that perhaps the Lord has given us a little space for grace, for a reviving of the eyes and a refreshing of the soul. We're going to actually gather this year just to worship, fellowship, enjoy God's creation, share meals together, get refreshed, refit, and rearmed because we know what's coming next. So we need a little we need a little reprieve. So we're not going to get all intensive this year. We're just going to enjoy 
uh, the Rocky Mountains and all the things the Lord's provided for us here. And that's, um, is that July 27th to 30th? That's actually your 2020. Uh, July 14th through the 17th. I have to update the website this week. I got to build it out for registration. Okay. Yeah, no, you, you'll probably see me there. It'll be good. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, because we're going to have an event, which we just we talked about. We're going to have a 4th of July event at Flemingsburg. Love to have uh -huh. you out, and that'd be great. And then I can join you over there. How's that? Talk about it. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. Yeah, Lord willing, I can make it out there. That's awesome. Love it, brother. Hey, we always close with the prayer. I would love for you to lead the prayer today. For sure, man. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your grace. I'm in awe of it. I don't know why your name is on my lips. And I know Scott could say the same thing. He has no clue why your name is on his lips other than it's by your grace, Lord. And so I just thank you that we can call on you and we can seek your face while it may be found. I praise you, Lord, that we have a strong tower in you and we can build our house upon the solid rock of Christ Jesus and know that when all the waves and the torrents and all the machinations of the globe we lead and things seen and unseen come against us, that our house will remain standing because it's built on you, Christ Jesus. I just thank you for your hope, for the hope we have, for your word, for your spirit, that you don't leave us in our own power, that we don't have to be fearful or apprehensive. You have not given us a spirit of fear at all, but of power, love, and a mind that's so frano, Lord. You've given us a mind that is that is uh, rescued, salvaged, and delivered from absurd, illogical, or highly emotional thoughts. You've given us a very sound mind for this hour. And I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is sufficient to equip us for everything that we need to navigate, to not just navigate this uh, late hour in this hostile territory, but to go forth and do exploits, God, to your glory and to turn many sons back to righteousness, like in the days of Elijah. Lord, to see people... Um, just cut off every sin and anything that hinders or encumbers them to throw off the love of the world and the things of the world to get rid of the fears, the fear of losing all these temporal things of this life and, and be undone by the all sufficiency of your kingdom. That's going to be eternal, that they would be just radiant. You died Jesus and had the power to take your own life back up again to make your people to have a radiant face, God, not a downcast, sorrowful, fearful, downtrodden, anxious face, but a face that radiates uh, the glory of the Father through your Son, Jesus Christ. So I just pray, God, that you would have your way in my heart and in Scott's heart. I pray, God, that you would have your way in the hearts of the listeners and that they would know that they can completely entrust themselves to you to go all in, that they can count the cost of going all in for you and realize it's nothing compared to the eternal glory that's going to outweigh everything else. I pray, God, that you would make a kingdom of priests all your own, a warrior priest class who stands in the gap for your sake, for your glory, and for according to our great joy. So I just thank you, Lord, even for the opportunity to, to speak to things of you um, with my brother Scott. And uh, we bless the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things because of him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. Awesome conversation today. Thank you very much. You just Yeah, brought... thanks, brother. I appreciate you having me on. And whatever you ever want to talk about, bro, we can always cover a lot of ground. That's for sure. That's awesome. We will have you back on soon because I want to get into the deeper part of what you're talking about there. I'd love to hear the details and have people have the, the scriptural references, which will be great. And I'll, I'll uh, make sure and update people as well once you get the ups website updated. 
I'll do the same, and we'll talk about having you out for uh, Bars Fest on 4th of July, so we can make that happen. That'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool, man. Looks good. We'll be, we'll be talking. Thanks for having me on, Scott. You bet. God bless you, man. Have a wonderful day. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Patriots, that was Jamie Walden, Omega Dynamics. He's one of a kind, and he's on fire for Jesus like few. And I love, what he, I love his passion, love his fire, and love his heart. <clears throat> it's a blessing to run into the warrior hearts of Christ, I will tell you, that are just literally on fire like that and understand that we are really in a critical time and it's no time to play around. It's not a game and it's time to be lit and be pushing forward and always leaning in. So he has two sites. One is called Calico Buffalo Base Camp. And that, I uh, just checked that out. It's pretty amazing. The, the Warrior Summit then is actually June 16th uh, 13th to the 16th. And then the other site, his main, main site, is uh, Omega Dynamics. So we'll put all those links underneath the pod podcast. If you don't have his book, I would highly recommend you get it. He's also, I believe, has a YouTube channel. You can check that out. Um, worth checking out. Jamie's great people. And he will be at one of our Bards Fests here very soon, hopefully July 4th. Remember, we're going to have a Eclipse Bards Fest. We're gonna, you're going to get three this year. In Eclipse Bards Fest on the 8th of April, we're having a Bards Fest for 4th of July in Flemingsburg on the 4th of July, obviously, and we're going to have a Fall Bards Fest, which I believe is going to end up being probably around October 4th, a little before, not after, so right in that area. All right, Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us, and in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe. 